You're listening to the 40 Days of Praying for Revival Devotion. Revival Reign Day 32 God First and Foremost In the late 1700s, two beliefs were gaining popularity in America, especially in the frontier states. They were the beliefs of universalism and deism. Universalism is the belief that all will be saved. Deism is the belief that God made the world but is uninvolved in the world. These two heretical beliefs are still very much alive today. I'm sure you might know of a few people who think this way. They say, I'm sure God will let me into heaven, if heaven is real. There can't possibly be a hell. A loving God would never do that. That is a modern expression of universalism. Also, I'm sure you will know people who would say that if there is a God, he definitely isn't around or important or worth knowing. That is deism. These beliefs are like the anthem of our generation. They were captured so precisely in the song Imagine by John Lennon of the Beatles. It goes as follows. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Wherever these beliefs are deeply rooted, you find moral decay. The reason is that they exclude final accountability and judgment. They exclude heaven and hell. And worst of all, they exclude God from everyday life. Today, the influence of Marxist ideology is prevalent in our society. The oppressor is immoral and needs to be removed from society, judged by history or cancelled, while the victim is virtuous and therefore needs no salvation. The fruit of believing that God will not judge us or that he is not around anyway is that we become a law unto ourselves and we live for today. In the frontier states in the 1700s, these thoughts had grown into the fabric of society like weeds. They were everywhere and they were choking faith, morality and righteousness. Ministers in those days were struggling and reported the following. A prevalence of vice and infidelity, profanity, mistreatment of slaves, sexual immorality, rampant alcoholism and avaricious land grabbing coupled with declining church membership. In 1798, the Presbyterian General Assembly asked that a day be set aside for fasting, humiliation, and prayer to redeem the frontier from what they called an Egyptian darkness. To say the church was on the back foot was an understatement. They had been relegated to the sidelines and were almost obscure. However, after much prayer and repentance, there was a general sense of hope that God was about to move in a new way. No one was sure when or where it would begin, but many were convinced that God would begin his work of revival. The first spark came in a Presbyterian church. It was a weekend conference with nothing unusual or worth reporting until right at the end of the last sermon. God touched one woman. Soon, the whole congregation sat weeping. And then 
the power of the Holy Spirit came. Preacher John McGee began preaching under the power of the Holy Spirit and soon the floor was covered with people slain in the Spirit. That spark led to many more meetings and weekend events which culminated in the Cane Ridge Revival where John McGee said the following, Many thousands of people attended. The mighty power and mercy of God was manifested. The people fell before the word like corn before the storm of wind. And many rose from the dust with divine glory shining in their countenances. When the Spirit fell in the upper room on the day of Pentecost back in Israel, some prophesied, some spoke in tongues, Peter preached and the crowds were cut to the heart in repentance. The same thing happened at these revival meetings in Cane Ridge. Some began to prophesy, some spoke in tongues, some fell under the power, some were cut to the heart and some started to preach. One story worth mentioning is that of a seven-year-old girl who mounted a man's shoulders and preached wondrous words until she fell asleep. There were many accounts of children preaching and declaring visions and amazing God encounters in Cane Ridge. What was clear about those years of revival was the power of God. After those meetings, there was no doubt left in anyone's mind that God was very much involved in human life and the reality of heaven, hell and judgment will be faced by all. Some mockers came to these revivals and even tried to oppose and jeer the preachers. However, many of them were even struck under the power of God the moment they opened their mouths. The result of those few years of revival was the complete transformation of the whole frontier. One man traveling through the frontier reported that he heard little else than the great revival of religion. In other words, God was once again first and foremost in society. His revival had done its work. You see, saints, when society becomes lost in beliefs like deism, universalism, humanism, Marxism, or agnosticism, what is needed is revival. Can you imagine God becoming first and foremost in our society again? Is there not a need? Come on, then let's pray for revival. And so we pray. Lord, I bow my heart and I bend my knee. Send revival and start with me. Pour out your spirit in an unprecedented way. May all who hear be saved today. May all who are saved proclaim the way. Lord, send revival and start with me. Thank you for listening to this devotion. We hope you are inspired to keep praying and to keep believing for revival in our days.